0: Business and people, your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show
1: started.
0: Welcome to the Agency Bud Podcast. On the show, we talk to agency owners and business owners, CEOs, startup founders, about their biggest challenges, what makes them tick, and how they got their agencies or businesses to scale and grow. Overcoming challenges, it's what we do. Let's find out about these business owners. You can follow along with every episode at podcast.com. agencybud.com. We'd love to have you on board. AgencyBud is the platform for delivering increased revenue to businesses and agencies. Find out more at agencybud.com. Let's go and meet our special guest for today. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the show, we have a very special guest. This is Lori Werner. Now, Lori is definitely the smartest person in the room. She's got a Bachelor of Engineering majoring in Science. Uh, Sorry, Bachelor of Science majoring in Engineering. Then she went on to get her MBA with a marketing spin she has been the founder of medical marketing whiz after spending 15 years in the medical industry she's opened up an agency specifically to the medical industry she's a fitness enthusiast and she is by her own words a great talker so it's great to have her on the show laurie <laughs> thanks so much for joining me
2: Awesome. Thanks, Walter. It's great to be here. This is super fun. Um, so I'm, I'm excited.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to try and make this a fun experience and try and share some things as well. Now you created Medical Marketing Wiz, which is medicalmarketingwiz.com. Specifically after your experience in the medical industry, now you, you've kind of turned from a sales role into a marketing role and helping private practices, helping medical uh, equipment specialists get their message out. How did this all come together for you?
2: So, yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So I spent about 15 years of my career in medical device sales, um, and I've always worked in the women's health uh, space. So I kind of went from engineer to medical device sales and spent the bulk of my career there. And so when I was in sales, we were trying to generate... more business, obviously, for me to sell more devices, meet my sales quota, all of that. And so I would do marketing for free for my doctors. Yeah, Because if I could get more patients to ask about the treatments, then I would sell more devices. The doctor was happy. Everybody was happy. Nice. So I actually had a client of one of my doctors sit me down one day and said, Lori, what are you doing working for Carpet America? you should be doing this marketing thing. He's like, us doctors, we don't know about marketing. We don't know, you know, we know how to treat patients, but we need patients to treat. And so you should be doing this. So it was kind of inspired by one of my customers just telling me like, Hey, I believe in you. I think that you would be great at this. You've helped me. Um, And so I jokingly say, I don't know if it was, I turned 40 and I just, I don't know, had a crisis and said, you know what, talk with it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit. And so the cool thing is, is that my company, when I quit, they let me hire and train my replacement. So that gave me a time to bring on about 20 clients. So when I quit, I already had 20 clients lined up. Wow.
0: How did you bring them on? Like, was it just personal relationships you already had? Personal
2: relationships.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: So they knew me. And, and so the funny thing is, is how it happened though, was so at first for the first year, it was just me, you know, I was the whole business doing everything from like the basic task all the way to, you know, you know, attracting leads and, you know, getting new clients. And so, um, I got in with one of the medical device companies that had a women's health device. And so we very quickly started making a name for medical marketing whiz. And so I kind of outgrew myself. So I brought on a business partner. Um, his name is Glenn Akins and he's, I'm the CEO, he's a CFO. Uh, but we like to describe ourselves as I'm kind of like the Tasmanian devil that comes up with all the ideas. And Glenn's like the guy that just kind of like makes it all actually work. Nice. So he helped me scale the business. He was also in medical sales, but he actually also launched a functional medicine practice with a gynecologist. So he has that operational experience. Cool. And so now we work with um gosh, we work with we've clients in 38 states. Um we have wow. partnerships with seven different medical device companies. Um so yeah it's it's grown a lot bigger than you know the days when it was just me and it's happened in under five years. That's so super cool. That's super
0: cool. How many people in the team now, Lori?
2: We have about 12 on our team. Um, We're all remote. So this whole like working from home hasn't been a really big deal for us. Okay. Um, All of our account executives all have worked at doctor's offices doing marketing. So they understand what it's like actually being, you know, in the office. Um, so
0: not only did you focus on the the niche in terms of what you're specializing in from an agency point of view, but your hires, the people that you're bringing on, also have that same focus in terms of the people you're looking at at recruitment have that medical experience. They know the terminology. They know the, the, the way that the industry works. You've really made sure that that's a specialty of yours.
2: Yeah. And I think that's important. You know, one of the um, things that I was thinking about, you know, in preparation for this today is really the importance of knowing your niche. So, Mm. I mean, medical marketing even is a really big, you know, so many different specialties. We've niched down even just to like two or three specialties within medical marketing that we focus on. So knowing, you know, your niche, just like, you know, you and I were talking before, like, who your audience is for this podcast is narrowed down over time. So I think that helps you to have a laser focus, really be known as the go-to in that particular niche. You don't have to have everybody as a customer.
0: That's an important point, I think, because so many people try and do that, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I I remember when I got started in business and and, uh, my copywriter actually asked me, so who's your ideal customer? And I said, everyone. Everyone with a pulse is my ideal customer. And he said, you're going to spend a lot of money and go broke fast. And I said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, help me. And we talked about narrowing that focus down. So that's a really key point that you mentioned. You don't have to have the whole world as customers if you do the job right for the ones that you have. You mentioned you're in 38 states now, 12 people on the team. I mean, how has your day-by-day changed from that starting point? You know that first year where you said it's just you? What hats do you have to wear now that you, you had to upskill, you had to learn about now that you're kind of running a big team there?
2: So, you know, it's funny. I think that there's value in having done all of those roles because yeah. it helps you lead a team. You can relate to the the issues day-to-day that your team is dealing with. But for me, I'm a, I'm a self-admitted control freak. So my biggest thing I've had to learn is that Lori Warner doesn't always do it best.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You
2: know, my team can do it better than me, but I have to be okay with letting go and letting them figure it out themselves, letting them make mistakes, letting them come up with ideas that are different maybe than the way I would do it. And I think like one of our mottos on our team is all of us are smarter than one of us. And mm. it's so true. So for me what I've had to learn the biggest thing is just that control you know control freak nature that I have is just letting go and letting other people excel at what they can do for customers and for clients and on our team. So mm. and then as far as like my day to day it's it's not as much with individual, you know, doctors offices now. Now we're looking at more like strategic partnerships um, we do a webinar every single week. So much like you do this podcast, we do a weekly webinar every single week on our social media. So developing content for that, mm. just trying to provide more and more value. And then of course, grow sales. So yeah, sure. a lot of that.
0: And and um, as you're talking there, you're saying like, Releasing that control was such an important part as you're growing the team. Um, I'd love to kind of focus on that that starting growth. But just while we're on that topic, is that a conscious thing now for you? Like, do you literally have to stop yourself saying, Lori, let this person handle it"? Like, do you literally have to say, "Okay, you know, and step away"? Like, what's what's your process there?
2: Yes, either that or Glenn reminds me. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool.
0: That's the that's the break, the accelerator and the break. That's a great relationship. Oh, I there. think
2: it's I think it's good to to have. Like, like Glenn and I are very polar opposite when it comes to skill sets and even Mm -hmm. personalities. And that is a good thing. Mm. Um, So I think just learning that whole dynamic as well is something that's important because when you try to do it all yourself, it's not fun either. Yeah, no, it's it's massively stressful. I have to love what I do every day. Mm. Like I I just have to. That's That's what keeps you fired
0: up. Yeah. Yeah, for yep. sure. Yeah, I I've been through the same thing where you know you just you're working so hard and going oh my god and then that first time when somebody takes tasks off your desk is like such a relief. Did you did you start by um bringing on staff or did you start using outsourcing as a as a as a go-to? Like how was that transition for you?
2: So at the very beginning Uh, it was Glenn and I, and then our first hire was an account executive in the U S, um, to kind of start handling about 20, 20 of our clients. And so then as we would add clients, then we, you know, mathematically know when we need to bring on another account exec. Um, they, they work directly for us. Personal relationships are really important to us with our clients. Like I, To outsource, like I could outsource like a social media person and I could outsource people to do, you know, website development and things like that. But I feel like they lose that personal connection with the office. Mm. So um, that's really important. Now outsourcing, we outsource some administrative tasks. So things like our accounting, Um, we have had some virtual assistants that are doing more admin type stuff, but anything that's client facing is an employee.
0: Yeah, right. Has it always been that case, Laurie? Like, you know, even yeah. when you were you getting those first 20 clients, you were doing everything. You were literally, you know, sleeping 3 hours a night trying to trying to tick up all the boxes. Wow, that's right. that's impressive. So, now now as you're transitioning through, like you you've managed to grow before we hit record, we we were talking about uh, the impact of coronavirus and, you know, the fact that everybody's gone remote. You said something really interesting about your clients and their their audience on social media. Do you want to recap that for me because I think that was a really really important thing.
2: Yeah, so I, we were talking. I was nervous when all mm. of this happened. That oh gosh, we're going to lose clients, or our clients are going to put their marketing on pause because they have to close. And we did have a lot of clients that had to physically close their doors mm. um, for a, for a temporary period of time. Those that stayed with their marketing moving forward, you know, even if they were doing it from home and yeah. talking about. You know, new training they were doing to improve their skills or reorganizing that they're doing at the office. They haven't missed a beat. Wow. And the reason why is because right now you have more people on social media, on Zoom, watching webinars, you know, following the election than than you will ever have. Mm. So it's right now to me as an agency owner um, and regardless, you know, what type of agency you're in, to me, anything that's online, you need to be present on there because mm-hmm. those clients, like I said, they haven't missed a beat. They opened back up and boom, they had they had patients ready to make appointments where those that, because we did have a handful of them that were like, they wanted to pause their marketing. And as soon as you take your foot off the gas. Yeah. You, know, you lose so that momentum. I think that understanding that you've got people online, people are more used to virtual, like doing webinars and that type of stuff. People, people know how to use zoom now, you know, six months ago people didn't even know how to get on a zoom meeting.
0: Yeah. Right. And now it's like second nature. Yeah.
2: They're they're used to it. So, and that's not going to change. So I had an office today. I did a call with and they're like, do you think we should start marketing after the election? I'm like, no,
1: <laughs> you should
2: be doing it right now. now. It or not everybody's on social media talking yeah. about this. Stuff. Yeah, so right. there's an audience right now that's not going to be there.
0: So you have an not- opportunity to secure a, a brand position like a, a you know a, a trusted authority in a specific space. You have that opportunity to secure it. Now, laurie I I asked this of some previous guests and I've I've been fascinated by the answer So I'm going to bounce this to you as well. If we could wind back to October last year, before coronavirus hit, before lockdowns happened, before all of that, business was booming, you know, the world was just powering forward. If we could magically have that time machine, go back to October, right now, you're sitting with Glenn, you're sitting with the team, you're looking at your clients, and you know that it's coming. You know that come March, the world's going to be shut down, airports are going to be empty. Now you're in October looking forward to saying, okay, we've got like five months to prepare, what would you do as a company? What would you do for your clients in preparation to make sure that that the, the impact would be not detrimental, that you could you know, carry forward? What would you do differently if you had the knowledge that this craziness was going to happen?
2: So first thing that comes to mind for clients, they have to have an email list. Yeah. you. You have to have an email list. So mm. I would tell them, get on social media, start running some targeted ads, lead generating ads where you can start collecting those ideal patients, those ideal clients, contact information so that you have that to market to. So Absolutely. that's that's definitely one thing. and I, I still tell that people that now. you know if you don't have an email list, you don't really have leads. Yeah, sure. Social media could be gone tomorrow and they're gone. Um, So that's one thing I think creating and having a plan for that online content. So thinking ahead and knowing that there's going to be this big audience online, you know, thinking about what webinars could you be doing? And we've seen this both with ourselves and our clients. So one of the things that forced us to change during the shutdown was we started doing weekly webinars on our social media channel every single Wednesday, just talking about different marketing topics every single Wednesday, even when we felt like no one was listening.
1: Mm.
2: And right now when we get a, a potential client on a call now, six months later, I barely have to sell them.
0: Yeah. Right. Because they've, they've seen the call, it. They've already bought They're
2: like, We've watched three of your webinars. We know you guys are the go-to. Yeah. I'm ready to sign up? So my wow. sales process is a lot shorter. Same exact thing for for doctors. So if I would have known that their office is going to be shut down, and I already had told them, "Hey, record a webinar about how to boost your immunity." Have it already done. You know, record a webinar about you know how to take care of your skin at home or whatever their topic yeah. is. Yeah, they already had that done. They could be you know, positioning that and getting that out virtually during the time people are sitting at home. And then, you know, they could be booking virtual consults, even while people are still at home. So that's another one, I guess I would say to just think it off the top of my head here, i kind of off the cuff is telemedicine. Yeah, I would right. tell them to get that set up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now. Make sure you have a process in place for the bookings, the payments, the, the everything from, from that perspective. The reason I find this a fascinating topic, Lori, because as of the time, I don't want to timestamp this episode because I want it to be timeless. But yeah. as of the as of the time that we're recording this, which is August 2020, um, I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this. And, no, and so don't. the reason I ask the let's rewind to October question is because I'm, I'm thinking, hey, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. So there's some second second wind movements that people can be doing right now in terms of creating content that's going to be Evergreen, building a, a you know a client following, shortening that sales process by positioning themselves as experts, building that email list of ideal clients, structuring a content. Like those are amazing lessons. No matter what industry, no matter the time of whenever you're listening to this, whether the world is in inverted commas back to normal or not, like those are amazing lessons. Do you think? do you think that that's timeless? Do you think that those specific things are timeless? Create an email list, create content that's going to be continually uh, branded and positioning you as an expert. Like, is that something that you would It is. Yeah, is, it, yeah. Is.
2: it is. I think that sometimes you have a big wake up call where yeah. you realize, you know, this has been on my wish list. I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm so yeah. busy. I don't do it. Mm. I mean, I, yeah. Stop. It, it, it'd be better to just stop, spend a couple of weeks getting that stuff in place and then restart. You're going to be so much farther ahead, but yeah, absolutely. Those are timeless things. I mean, Glenn and I kick ourselves we're like, why weren't we doing these weekly webinars, you know, absolutely, two years ago, all that time ago. Um, yeah. Amazing. So,
0: so, and again, making, making that a, a timeless thing and, and creating that, that uh, position online so that that can be all moving forward. So how do you, how do you position now with your clients? Like, so we're talking about that these guys are not Mr. Beat if they've been able to get onto social and and do their thing. What what are you what are you working with on your clients now? How are you helping them do that?
2: So we kind of have four main areas of focus that we we call it the doctor marketing blueprint. So nice. it's outside of your website, what are these things that you need to actually be doing for marketing? So number one, and it's all has to do with positioning yourself as the expert. Mm. You know, so if, if a doctor wants to attract new patients, they have to be seen as the local expert. Same thing as an agency owner. If you want to attract clients, you have to be seen as the expert in your niche. Same Absolutely. thing. Um, so we work on uh, Google reviews and optimizing their Google My Business listing. You know, if you don't have a good online reputation, all the marketing in the world is not gonna fix, it will not make the phone ring. So Absolutely. we're always working with them on that. Um, Second thing is Facebook, Instagram, and ads. So in our our clients, Facebook and Instagram are the two that are the most important for them. So working with them on personalizing their content, people miss the whole point of social media. It's not to sell stuff. It's for people to get to know you. They need to feel like they know you before they've ever met you. Mm. So Being on social media and making them personal. So one of the things we do, these are kind of funny, we have these things called selfie signs. So like our doctor
1: That is cool.
2: Watch our webinar, save the date, we're opening back up. Like we have them take pictures with these signs so that's so cool. They're on their social media, people see them. It's not a stock photo. Yeah like No one wants to look at stock photos. So we're working on them with teaching them these, these concepts of keeping social media social. Mm. That's a big deal. We're recording a lot of webinars. Okay. A lot of patient education webinars. And then, um, we, you know, a lot of our offices do used to do virtual or in office events. Well, they can't do those now. So, a lot of virtual events just to help them to, you know, be able to talk to an audience of 50 patients at the same time instead of just one on one. So, mm. those are kind of the four components that we work on um, with our clients and have. And, you know, like you said, that's timeless. It's something that you yeah. need, to, need to keep doing.
0: Can I ask a selfish question? When you, when you are setting up these webinars and, you know, um, helping your clients set these up as well, what, what medium are you using to drive registrations to those webinars?
2: So we use ClickFunnels Mm -hmm. um, for our landing pages and what we call the broadcast room. Um, Mm -hmm. ClickFunnels is, it's, it's really awesome. I love it. I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: We always say in Russell, we trust like (laughs) Um, he would,
0: he would love to have that quote. Yeah.
2: Yeah, i I got my funnel hacker T-shirt and all that stuff. Nice, but cool. Anyways, um, so we do evergreen webinars. So we pre-record them. Mm-hmm. We build a landing page and click funnels. Then we drive traffic to the landing page. So that's done through social media. So to their current followers, running targeted ads to get people to opt into the webinar. Also for our our clients, they usually have an established patient list yep. of their patients. So email marketing. You know, sending an e blast out, Google My Business, um, on their website, sometimes Google Ads, depending on um, you know their budget.
1: Mm, sure. But
2: yeah, so it's it's mainly their existing list and then social media targeted ads. I would say would be the two main things.
0: That's what I was looking for. Targeted ads. So you you're not just relying on the existing client base. You're 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 broadening that you're using lookalike audiences. You're you're mm-hmm. trying to you know increase Sorry. that reach yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah cool also as i said that's a selfish question because we have a lot of a lot of webinars that we do with our software brands and um that's just always uh been a fascinating topic for me so now that you you have you have an amazing uh brand within the medical space obviously you've as you mentioned you've created a name for yourself you've got these seven incredible relationships with medical marketing equipment uh suppliers and you're the go-to in that space where do you see your growth how do you how do you want to see the next kind of few years coming together for you and Glenn?
2: So of course we want to scale. Yeah, um, cool. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, our focus is women's health, men's health and aesthetics primarily. Cool. So really being seen as, cause there is competition, you know, we no, want to be agree. absolute number one, dominating the market in that yep. space. Um, strategic partnerships are big. So we do work with a lot of um, manufacturers, but Um, Kind of looking at other um, strategic partnerships such as, you know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, like some of these more broad organizations Mm -hmm. that provide educational opportunities to our physicians. So, of course, like working with them and establishing relationships with those type of things are are big to us. I personally love doing these webinars every week. Um, I love teaching people where you're wasting money with marketing? All of these marketing companies that are complete BS that don't teach people what SEO is, and you know. So I just I'm kind of a very direct cut to the chase type of person, and um, so just making sure that we're doing our part just to educate people on on you know how to be successful with medical marketing. So yeah,
0: cool, cool. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think taking your taking your extensive uh, knowledge in the medical space. Do you think we could drop you into another industry and you could follow a similar blueprint to success? Easy.
2: We could. Sell. I honestly, once you understand the main components of marketing, yeah, you could market a lawyer, you could market a tire shop, you could market small, but I mean, it's the it, same. It's the same, especially for local. Now, again, all of our clients are local businesses. Sure. Yeah. So I think the strategy is very different if you're marketing like national. Mm-hmm. Um, brands. So as far as, Small businesses, I feel like you could take our blueprint and implement it really in any any small business.
0: So I'm I don't wanna I don't wanna steal your IP by any means. So so tell me we can skip the question if we don't want to. But my question to you was could we take your knowledge from what you've experienced, what you've built, and drop you into another industry and get you to market it? Your answer was easy. What would be the process you'd go through? And again, I don't want to steal your IP and certainly medical marketing was you guys have got an incredible blueprint for making this happen for your clients. So if you want me to skip it, that's cool. Uh, If not, help me out. What would be the process that you would go through in a brand new industry um, to to get some traction for that client?
2: So like I said, it's four things. Your local search engine optimization. So your Google, my business listing, Mm -hmm. that's super important. Um, and that is not only optimizing your Google My Business listing, but also reputation. You got to get new reviews. Absolutely. So that's number one. Number two is your social media.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
2: have to be active, understand the algorithms on both Facebook and Instagram, and then maybe other platforms depending on, it might, you know, there might be some other ones depending on the industry, but those tend to be the two primary. Um, running targeted ads so that you can attract your ideal audience. Um, email marketing. You have to nurture your leads, so you have to be—and not salesy emails. You know, providing value, Mm -hmm. Um, and then last is some kind of educational component. So whether it's a webinar, a virtual event, um, on a regular basis,
1: Zoom
2: meeting, something like that, every quarter, where you're positioning yourself as a local expert on a certain topic. It's those four things, and then your website.
1: Yeah, of course, yeah. But yep.
2: those four things, rinse and repeat.
0: Nice. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so I, I, I like that. And, and again, um, that's great advice for anybody. No, no matter where they find themselves in business. One of the things that I noticed on your, um, uh, on your website was that you, you basically uh, position, have positioned medical marketing wizards as, as your, almost like your outsourced marketing expert for the medical space, right? I, I think I've got yep. that right. So you're like, um, hey, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an accountant, you're a whatever you are. Um, you have your skill set, we have our skill set, let's put them together and you know, make, make some magic happen. Do you find that a lot of small business owners like you did when you started wearing so many hats, you, know, you have to do everything from, from go to woe with, with lead generation right through to fulfillment right through to everything. Do you find people in professional spaces uh, are in that same bucket? They're trying to do their marketing. They're trying to get a, in inverted commas, get a handle on their social media uh, and, and, and they just don't have time or skills.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I think and and I think that it's not bad for them to do that that at the beginning. Because then you at least have an idea of what these concepts are, you know, when people when you're when you do hire a marketing company and they're talking to you about it, you have some clue of what they're talking about because maybe they've right. at least attempted it. Yeah. So I don't think it's wasted time to do that. But at the end of the day, like I, I actually had a, a call with the doctor today and I said, I don't clean my own house
1: okay? <laughs> okay. because
2: number one, I don't really enjoy cleaning my house and I would rather free up my own time, even though I'm paying someone to do it because that frees up my time and my hourly rate is a lot more. If I'm doing my own house cleaning, that's a lot per hour. It's less expensive for me to outsource it.
1: Nice.
2: Same exact situation. Like if yeah. you're a doctor and you're going on and trying to post social media posts, you know what your hourly rate is? Mm. If you're wasting a lot of time and money. doing In an
0: area things, that you're not up to speed with, which changes every day.
2: Or, Or they have their office manager do it and she's trying to do 20 other jobs at the office. So I call that kind of sort of marketing.
0: Yeah, right. So <laughs> That's a good label.
2: Kind of, sort of. Yeah, we're kind of, sort
0: of managing our social media. kind
2: of, sort of get results, but they really don't get results. And so now a year goes by and their device is still sitting in the corner collecting dust and they've yep. been making $3,000 a month payments on it. Yeah. And hoping that Susie at the desk has been doing the marketing. So. You know, at the end of the day, I think you have to invest in your business Mm. and, and we've learned that too. You know, we've had to invest in things. We invested in our own webinar. We invested in our own website. Yeah, we could create our own website, but I needed it on fast. I'm going to outsource it. So, you know, I think, yes, it's, it's fine at the beginning to wear a lot of hats, but you also need to know when it's time to focus on what you need to do to grow and scale your business. And not spending time on Canva trying to come up with some <laughs> infographic. You're catching
0: eye, eye, uh, eye candy. Yeah, absolutely. And and specializing in those skills. Um, Laurie, what do you think it takes for businesses to be on top of their social media? So, like, you know, as we said before, every business knows they need to do it. And yet, so few actually um, are proactively engaging. So, we talked about being active all the time. What, what do you think it really takes in terms of a constant uh, positioning for for any company to have social media under control?
2: So they have to post daily. Mm -hmm. If you're going to post once a week, you might as well not even do it. Because the algorithms are measuring how frequent there's content. They're measuring the engagement. And so if there's only a couple of likes once a month or once a week, they kind of deem your page as not very active. And so then you're spending time putting posts up that at literally no one will see. Wow. So you have to plan for at least one post per day. Mm-hmm. And that post needs to be something that I call a scroll stopper. So think that you need to almost put yourself in your customer's shoes. If, if you're scrolling through social media and it's just a bunch of stock photos, people are gonna just keep scrolling. Yeah, they're not going to stop. It needs to be something that people stop and go, wait a minute, is that a picture of my doctor holding up a breaking (laughs) news sign? Like, yeah, right. What's going on? You know, so you want to make sure that you're creating content that's helping people get to know you. Right. And then and so you know, simple way is you could take Monday to Friday, right? And you could say every Tuesday, I'm going to post a testimonial. Every Monday, I'm going to do a motivational quote. Every Wednesday, I'm going to share some kind of tip. And every Thursday, so you can keep it simple. Yeah, and right. You can pre-schedule this stuff too. So it's not like you have to be on there for hours every single day. But if you sit down once a month at the beginning of the month, and you have it like every Monday, I'm going to do this every Tuesday, I'm going to do this. It just helps Number one, you have a plan, and number two, it it takes that feeling of overwhelm. I think it takes it down a notch.
1: Yeah, cool. So I
0: think that's um, what I think that's what a lot of business owners struggle with is that feeling of overwhelm. I thought, oh my god, I've got all of these platforms. I've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Yahoo, like YouTube, everything. You don't need like it's just to be
2: everywhere. Yep. That's the other thing. You don't need to be on every channel. So where are your clients? Okay, so like our clients are doctors that are treating. Middle-aged women, in general, mm-hmm. they don't need to be on TikTok. Yeah, right. Okay, they don't need to be on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. They don't need to even be on Twitter. They need to be on two social media platforms: Facebook yeah. and Instagram. And if you have to pick one, the middle-aged woman is probably on Facebook yeah, more right. than they yeah. even are on Instagram. So, get good at one platform. Understand how it works before. You start adding all of these other ones on there, Definitely. so that's the other thing too that I think people, you know, they feel like they got to be on everything and they don't.
1: Yeah,
0: that's again that's that, that feeling of overwhelm, Laurie. Before we started recording, we were talking about um, your the own business, your your people on the team, um, and the the fact that you all already were working remote. So this kind of uh, new way of working hasn't really impacted you so much. Have you have you managed to grow the team during this time? Have you just kind of been uh, holding the four together. Has it has nothing changed? Has all gone the same? Like how do you coordinate a team when you're all working remote?
2: Yeah, so we do a Monday morning Zoom call. We've always done that. It's just mm-hmm. our team call on Monday. We kind of, you know, get the get everything planned for the week. Um and then Thursdays we always do a training where we do, we train each other on different, you know, topics, or maybe we talk about a difficult customer and, you know, something that that one particular person needs help with. So those have always stayed the same. The thing that I miss is we usually fly everybody in for an actual in person meeting where we'd like, we're not communicating with customers for two solid days. And, you know, we usually do some kind of team building thing. And it's, and it's fun because when you do have a remote team, it is easy to feel a little bit disconnected. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that I would say that I miss. So hopefully I promise a team if we hit a certain milestone, I'm taking them all to Cancun. Nice. Um, cool. That is still on the table. Hopefully maybe 2021.
0: Fantastic. Well, will make sure that they watch this so that they can get that, yeah. uh, that reminder <laughs> as well. Laurie. Um, and, and do you think that, um, um, do you think things will return to normal in a, a, six months, 12 months? Like, I'm just, that's a guesstimate. I've never asked anybody that before, but I'm just interested in your answer.
2: Uh, I'm kind of mentally planning for a year.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking um, the same thing.
2: You know, things, even even, even when things start to get back to normal, I mean, things take time. Uh, I think the main thing is you got to stay positive. Yeah. You have to stay positive. You have to look for opportunities even in situations like this. Like, like I said, hey, great opportunity. You have more people online. Use it to your advantage. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think just I think yeah I would probably say plan for I don't know probably I hate to say a year but I kind of yeah. feel like it could be put, put
0: your head down and just you know keep keep going as long as it takes um, Laurie can I ask you a question when when people are listening to this podcast watching it uh, us on uh, Roku or wherever they're joining us um, some of our some of our listeners are entrepreneurs who who have always wanted to. You know, start something. They've got a bit of a an edge for marketing. They want to get into that space. If you had to start again, and let's let's really make it difficult for you, because I can see that you're up for a challenge, right? So let's really make it difficult for you. When you started medical marketing, was you had 15 years in the medical space? You had 20 clients that you were able to bring on board during that training time. That's that's amazing. A lot of people don't have that. They 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 say today we're going to do something here, and especially in this time, we have to do something different to pay the bills to bring something in. I've got a passion for helping people. I'm starting my business right now. You want to be a marketing agency. How would you recommend that person gets traction as quickly as possible? If you had to start again, brand new city, brand new niche, nobody knows you. How would you get started?
2: I would read Russell Brunson's three books. Nice. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Expert Secrets, Traffic Secrets, and .com Secrets. Okay. He's very very knowledgeable on how to start this whole thing and how to attract people. Mm. So I would definitely read his stuff. Um, The other thing too, is I feel like you have to just start, even if it's a side gig.
1: Yeah. I agree.
2: Um, if you fail, you fail. You learn from it. Mm. Um, the, when I quit, I mean, it was, I've quit a multiple six figure job. My mm. parents thought I was insane. I'm, I'm almost 44 years old right now. My parents thought I was insane that I was leaving this awesome cushy job in medical device sales. But the way I looked at it was God gave me all of these experiences and he, I have been successful at everything I've set my mind to do. Nice. What is the worst that's going to happen? I fail and I go back to being in medical sales. It's not, you know, so I think the first thing is, is just not being as scared to try it. Even if it's like a side gig, when you start, mm. um, definitely follow Russell Brunson, uh, Gary Vanderchuk's another really good. i probably anybody that, that watches this would, would follow those two guys, but, and then just start building your email list. You have to build an email list and know, and pick a niche. So niche down, as, as small of a, a niche as that you can get, and get really good and become an expert at that specific niche, because trying to be everything, you know,
0: it's spend just, a lot of money and go broke fast. I, <laughs> that's the old advice. Yeah. I think that that three four minutes is probably the world's best, you know, marketing agency startup plan. Of all time, like that's that's the way to get it done. Laurie, thank you so much. I'm I'm super conscious of your time, uh, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to bounce back and forward with you. I find the journey that you've been through fascinating, and especially the speed with which you've been able to build the agency, focusing on that niche, focusing, focusing on bringing results for your clients, and you know making sure that um, you're keeping their brands as as your front of mind. I find that absolutely awesome. So thank you. Let me just finish up with with one quick question with you. Um, what's on the horizon for you for Medical Marketing Wiz, like I know you mentioning about growing and scaling. Um, Talk to me about, you know, where we'll see you on the horizon coming forward.
2: So we have a lot of speaking engagements coming up um, with some pretty big uh, industry organizations. So I won't give you the specifics, but um, I I would say that is exciting because it just, it helps us get in front of our target market as well. Yeah. So that's been big. And then I think just, again, adding new clients, scaling our team, and being the go-to for women's health, men's health, and aesthetics. So
0: Fantastic. I love it. I, and I, I'm excited to see where that's going to go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lori Werner. As I mentioned at the start, she's definitely the smartest person in the room. The growth uh, that you've had with Medical Marketing Wiz and the way that you've built that team and, and put that together is absolutely awe-inspiring. Where can people follow along? Lori, what's what's the best way of, of keeping up with what you're doing and keeping up with
2: uh, with your social yeah. Yep. So of course Facebook, Instagram, it's Medical Marketing Wiz, uh, LinkedIn. So B2B, I love um B2B connections. So happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. So you can find us there as well as me individually. Um, and then YouTube, our uh, our website is medical dot And uh yeah, we're we're we try to be as many places as we can. We try to do those weekly webinars every week and um have a lot of fun doing it. So
0: fantastic! That's awesome, Laurie. And uh, we make sure we have links to all of those socials in the in the uh, show notes as well. Laurie, thank you so much for the opportunity to bounce back and forth. I've absolutely loved the time. There's some real gems of wisdom in there. I'm going to go back through with a notepad, and make sure that I've got a, as much as I can. And again, I really appreciate the the chance to do so. Thanks again, Laurie.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Have a great one, Walter.
0: Cheers.